Rajujaya, Danny O'Dwyer. Which part of that was was uh, was uh, Malay? Was the Danny O'Dwyer part? Does that mean something? Uh, yes, that Danny O'Dwyer in Malay means. I can't think of anything that's not <laughs> <laughs> Lucky Charms or right. <laughs> Potato. <laughs> uh, I'm just co-host. How about that? There you go. Yes, uh, that means good luck. Salamat Majujaya means good luck in Malay, Danny. Actually, nice. literally, it means go forward and victory. That's a very appropriate thing to say on the final Malaysian Grand Prix. Yes. Well, I actually picked it because you're moving to uh, Maryland. And oh, so yeah. That's a good point. I wanted to tell you good luck. Which will, which will literally not change anything about how we produce this show. Uh, no, because despite the fact that we live uh, mere miles from each other, we've been doing it over <laughs> VoIP forever. Yeah. We live miles as the crow flies, but unfortunately there's quite a large bay of water between those two, mm. uh, and also a lot of traffic. So we live um, miles away, but like an hour plus away from each other as well. Yes, yes, um, very Yes, very I will true. be slightly further. I will be 3,000 miles or so away um, in the other side of the country in uh, Maryland. Thank you, by the way, so much to everyone who reached out, um, not just with their uh, well wishes, but also a lot of people reached out with information about racetracks in that area. Um, <laughs> it turns out there's quite a lot of, uh, of, of racetracks of various sizes, from like cool little go-kart places to, to um, big tracks for uh, uh, all manner of, of racing, open wheel and otherwise. So uh, I'm excited to, to get out there and hopefully do what I never did here and actually go to the local racetrack. All the time I was here, never made it out to Sonoma Raceway. Um, like an idiot. So I, I, I mean, have to put that on my list. Sort of local. Again, so, yeah, it's a long drive. That, that, that is a good point. It's not like down the road. It's still like a good 90-minute drive away. Um, but as somebody who almost moved to Sonoma <laughs> to commute <laughs> to San Francisco, uh, it, was, uh, it felt closer than I, I guess it is in reality. Well, anywhere you go, there will be speedy race cars nearby because yeah. this is Shift F1, a podcast about speedy race cars, and podcasts are international. That's true. They're actually technically intergalactic. We can mm. beam this into space. So to all you folks listening on Zorklark 9, we really appreciate it. <laughs> It'd be like in, uh, in uh, what was the Contact, where uh, they beam back to us, but instead of, uh, you know... Uh, a TV image of Hitler, it's Shift F1. <laughs> exactly, yep. <laughs> that may be too deep of a cut for people, but <laughs> that's, you know that, what, what, that's is what the, the aliens... The, what, what is the the place with the human uh, form? Like the real-life one, not the contact thing? The, the the place with like the man and the woman holding oh, hands? Oh, yeah. The, it's, the, it's like that, except they're both wearing helmets. Right. right. And then the, dra- the Drake... Suits. It's not the Drake equation. Uh, <laughs> Monster energy drink written up the side of one of the legs. There you go. Uh, <laughs> Malaysia, Danny. Malaysia, it's hot. man. It is. It's hot and sweaty, just like the Bay Area right now. Yeah, man. I have I have Ooh. my shirt pulled up, uh, exposing my midriff. Oh, nice. That's how, that's how warm it is. Your crop top. And did you get that emergency ping on your phone? Yes. What was that about? Wasn't that crazy? That freaked me out. So that like happened the, right. We I regaled you with the story, so I won't say it again. But it happened right as I was driving across the Bay Bridge on my own, thinking that there was some sort of natural disaster had happened on on what is usually a 
massively um, log jammed piece of road as it was there was a, a car an incident with a shootout um, on one of the feeder um, motorways so that's why I was literally driving on the Bay Bridge in the height of rush hour on my own it was crazy as that happened I got that emergency ping which I assumed was incoming North Korean missile while you're driving <laughs> into San Francisco you fucking idiot um, but it was it said uh, heat wave it said like check in on your uh, like elderly neighbours and stuff mm-hmm that's what it said on mine, anyway. And I got another one about 20 minutes ago, but I don't know where it's gone. I missed it's that not, one. Like, it's not that hot, is it? Yeah, that's it's kind of hot. I yeah, I didn't... I'm sweating I a thought, bit. Like, maybe after, like, three or four days of persistent heat. But, because uh, we oh, usually get those Amber well, Alerts whenever, like, there's a, you know, a, a, somebody's been kidnapped or a kid's gone missing or something like that. But I'd never seen it for a heat wave. I, uh, I just opened up Mr. Chili. Okay. That, uh, that San Francisco of... Of weather apps, uh, and it is it is the the reddest I've ever seen it. Oh really? So, yeah. Woo, eighty six in Petrera right now. Eighty six. Yeah. The thing is, San Francisco doesn't have air conditioning anywhere. Uh, that's true. It never it's gets very, uh... that hot, so people are not equipped for it to be hot. Right. Just like they're not equipped for when it rains. Yes, for sure. I live beside a freeway. I can attest to that. <laughs> Speaking of hot and rain, though, Danny. I, I mean, literally, mate. You said, what was it, 86? That is exactly 30 degrees uh, Fahrenheit uh, centigrade, which is basically what the like idle temperature in Malaysia is during the races. Um, it's incredibly hot. It's in a sort of a weird... They, they built a stadium out in the... Or, sorry, stadium circuit. Um, um, in the middle of a sort of agricultural land, let's say. So, very... A race pitch. Yeah, race pitch. Yeah. Um, so it's uh, it's very humid, uh, very hot and temperate. Um, you get all types here, man. It's that wet heat, so they do get rain here pretty consistently. Um, happens a lot over the course of a rain weekend. Very muggy, very hot. That sort of really bad heat um, that race drivers hate. So, you know, coming off the back of Singapore, um, another interesting weather situation uh, for all the drivers to, to battle with. Uh, yeah, well, let's talk about weather, Danny. Specifically here, we've got, uh, let's see, on qualifying day, 86 degrees Fahrenheit at qualifying time, or uh, 31 degrees cents, cents, Celsius? Nope. Celsius? Celsius. Centigrade? Um, or, yeah, either one. With 73% humidity oh my God. and a 12% chance of precipitation. All right. Uh, with some light winds uh, out of the sky to the right. <laughs> I don't know. East. Okay, sure. Uh, Sunday, though, race day, mm. we've got similar temps, uh, 85 or 31, uh, similar humidity at 75%, but precipitation jumps up to 45% right. at race time. Interesting. So, pretty big track as well so i mean it tends to rain everywhere i guess or it doesn't rain at all i don't get the spa feeling from this one but it is quite a quite a big track 15 turns and all want me to tell you about them let's do it all right uh so this is actually the last time as well by the way we're going to be doing this because uh, apparently this is the final racing at hermantelica one of his earlier tracks actually 
um, uh, this one, the Sepang International Circuit. <laughs> Almost it's entirely running at a loss for the, the local government. Um, never really that popular, kind of had the same problem China had, where it's a little bit out in the sticks too much and has tough, you know, weather for people to sort of um, have to suffer through all weekend. So unfortunately never had much of a, a, a crowd, really. Race day will do all right, but aside from that, man, this is a good track. I really like this. This is like, you know, people say to Tilka's uh, tracks are pretty boring and blasé. There was a lot of like high speed corners in this and interesting places to overtake. So it's a bit of a shame. Uh, there's 15 turns in all, so I won't be totally, you know, detailed on every single one of them to, to spare you all, but I will highlight some of the best moments of it. Um, turn one, for instance, uh, the, the highest, the speed on this is about 330 as they're entering turn, uh, the first turn, which is a, a really I guess once you go in there it's nice and wide but it's a really long right hand turn which then corkscrews down into a almost equally as long but just tighter uh, left hand turn and that whole area is like it's like jockeying for position it's like on being on a five lane freeway and trying to figure out where you need to be to get past all these cars sometimes cars go the whole way around the outside of turn one and they're in a way better position for the apex of two sometimes they the general line is for them to go on the inside of one and try and hold position and then hit the apex at their leisure into turn two um but this whole area big runoff as well there's usually some um, uh, jockeying for position in here. I wouldn't say there's usually crashes here because I think there's enough space for people to get around. There, there has been crashes on the first turn. There's been crashes here actually all over the race uh, because it's such a, a fun overtaking spot. But it's not like a lot of other circuits on their first turns where you're always guaranteed a bit of contact. Um, so that's that's fun. Once they're at a two, they're basically flat out on another incredibly fast. There's three points in this track where they beat 300 kilometers an hour, and this is the next one as well. Down to turn turn four which is a really sharp right hander once they're done with turn four they're into probably the most fun two turns of the whole track five and six and um, this whole pick got reconfigured a little bit uh, a couple of years back but this whole um uh, oh actually sorry no, i'm thinking about bahrain actually sitting me uh, but five and six are taking an incredible speed like almost flat out the whole way around them so it'll be interesting to see how these uh these new tires and new cars do they do this year uh turn seven and eight probably some of the more pedestrian parts of the track taken at mid speed um there's so many other places to overtake that it, it's not really much of a, a, a high intensity uh, part of the track and uh, same could be said for sort of 9 10 and 11 but once they're done with that they're basically unleashed into this incredibly fun uphill um again flat out piece of track with turn 12 being taken at relatively fast pace um and then turn 13 and then it sort of bends uphill turn 14 into a straight that whole section is taken really fast a uh, big long straight the whole way down to turn 15 which uh, essentially is a, a 90 degree that then puts you back onto the straight uh, a couple of years I feel like for the past two or three years we've had drivers lose grip exiting turn 15 and um, this whole part of the track actually has had a lot of parts changed to it originally the pit lane entry was closer to uh, a further from uh, closer to the second apex uh, the apex of the outside of the corner I guess um, now it's on the outer edge of turn 15 so essentially you just drive into it off the turn um, which is a lot safer because uh, drivers were essentially missing the turn not to the pit lane they're missing it to the pit lane but they're missing it on the pit lane as well and actually crashing in the pit lane which was not good fun um, so they fixed that obviously a couple of years back and the other thing they fixed was there was a little bit of a problem with the, um, the height of the curbs around turn 
2015 as well there was a lot of people going up up around them and then essentially losing grip and spinning so they, they tried to heighten that to lessen people doing that I think maybe it was a caveat or somebody did it last year anyway might have been for stopping I'm going to say it was Danny just because that's I guess that's what the conversation around Danny at the moment is messing up um, I forget who it was though so uh, let us know if I'm wrong but uh, then back into the main straight so it's a fun track the the turn 5-6 turn 1-2 and turn 13-14 uh, are, are the sort of the places where it's at and then that's straight on 15 you get a lot of people overtaking and then people trying to get it back on, on the, the, the turn going down into one so that whole part of the track is good fun too awesome yeah it's it's uh, definitely a, a distinctive track at least for the you know it, it's one of those with a, a very distinctive singular element and that's that the two long straights with yes. the hairpin uh, which is that's 15 right Yes, fifteen is a turn at the end. It's it's really good. It's uh, and those gigantic grandstands, which probably have never been full. <laughs> right. Uh, this is also the track, if you remember, that has the bridge over uh, the the start finish straight. So you get the interesting element of having sometimes a dry patch in the middle of the track <laughs> where the bridge <laughs> is, um, which uh, which has caused people to. There's a little bit of a bumpiness to that part of the track as well. So sometimes people are never sure if it's the the rain or the bump that's doing it, but. Uh, yeah, fun track. Montoya's got the lap record, 134. Um, interesting to see if they beat it this year. Judging by the rest of the races, it might might very well be done. Uh, yeah, I think the, the times were were getting slower and slower, but they resurfaced the track last year and uh, yes, had one right. of the fastest times. Yeah. So. Uh, let's talk about tires, sure. Danny. We've got uh, pretty, pretty hard tires for this one, um, I think probably do in large part to the the temps that we're gonna see here medium soft and super soft uh a lot of well we got kind of a good mix here um fettel and raikkonen have each chosen to take nine sets of the super soft um mclaren and williams drivers though are taking 10 sets the other guys though mercedes uh, and Red Bull a little more balanced with uh, seven sets and five sets of uh, seven sets of super softs and five sets of softs for Lewis Hamilton um, and uh, one fewer set of soft for Botas, but he's got one more medium set. Right. And then uh, the Red Bulls have, let's see, three softs for Verstappen, four softs for Ricardo, and the rest are super softs and one set of medium tires. So, um, yeah, he leaning on the super softs, but uh, a, a fair mix for the softs as well. As you mentioned, Danny, Danny Kafiat, oh, speaking yeah. of the Malaysian Grand Prix, has lost his seat for the Malaysian Grand Prix yeah. to one Pierre Gasly, uh, the 21-year-old from Ruin, Ru- Ruin? Ruin. In France? Ruin, in ter- as far as Danny Kivat's concerned, he's from Ruin. Nice. Sick burn. Thank you. Uh, he will join the Toro Rosso team for the next few Grands Prix. Yes. Uh, the team have said that Danny Kafiat is not... Uh, he's staying with the program. Um, he's still part of the family, is what I heard. Yeah, whatever that means... But uh, you know, like I that think uncle, for the foreseeable you know, future, Thanksgiving. It's <laughs> it's like, a, yeah, technically part of the family. Yeah. Um, yeah, he he comes from uh, the Red Bull Junior Driver Program, uh, and I believe, oh boy, this is putting me on the spot. I believe he's in F two right now. 
Yes, no? I thought we talked about that mm, last. Week. Okay. Super- oh, I'm sorry. No, he's uh, he's in Super Formula right now. Oh right. He took okay. the GP2 title last year. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah. Yeah, super young, uh, super good. We've we've heard this all before with lots of drivers. Grosjean, Kvyat himself. I mean, Verstappen, mm-hmm. he came through. So sure, it's going to be interesting to see uh, see how he does. I got to feel for Danny though, getting kicked, getting, getting losing your seat mid season. Man, that's got a again. Sting. Yeah, again, exactly, again. <laughs> oh, Poor guy. Yeah, feel for him. He might not have much of uh, an F one career left um, by the looks of things, which. Nah, man, it's just going backwards. Yeah, it's going totally. That the negative, uh, you know, that type of <laughs> negative progress is an absolute killer. I mean, maybe he gets a seat somewhere else, but I think the the crash in Singapore was a particularly like tough one to see him do at this stage in his career. Unforced error, you know. Yeah, yeah. I think it's just, uh, like a death by a thousand cuts. Right. Uh, in other Red Bull news. They have partnered with Aston Martin. Well, I think they have already had an Aston Martin partnership, but uh, as of next season, the F1 grid will officially feature the name Aston Martin Red Bull Racing. Right. uh, As the new name for that team. And have a new driver, Um, James Bond. (laughs) Uh, The, what's this guy? President and CEO of Aston Martin, Andy Palmer. Uh, says for 2021 there is a potentially there is potentially a rule change in engines we are an engine maker and if the rules change significantly uh i'm sorry sufficiently that it makes sense the costs come down so that a company like us can afford to do an engine we'd like to do the engine Mm. we would like to be the provider of an independent engine to f1 with our principal customer that of course being our friends at red bull Mm. wouldn't that be interesting yeah it's a kind of belt and suspenders situation I think just to make sure they don't get caught with uh, I guess the more agency you have over that stuff is super important as well especially if they're the only team that's going to be running it um, it's incredible though the amount of engine swapping that's happening between this season and next season is, is pretty remarkable I'm trying to think of a, of a time where this much has happened actually yeah you know we get we get driver swaps here and there but we don't get such uh drastic engine swapping yeah which is like a that's a big thing for a team to go through yeah i mean the cars <laughs> get it's that ebb and flow where every three four years we get that big shakeup of of the whole element of the cars and perhaps you know maybe this did happen just more in the past and it's just like a, an element of the modern the modern game that we've we've not had as much in the past while but um it it prov- provides that element of chaos that I think everyone enjoys each year where we're not really sure how good everyone's going to do or how bad everyone's going to do. And I think probably in that shakeup, Red Bull are going to be the ones who are willing to take more of a risk because they were, you know, so dominant for so long um, with, with good drivers, but also with a fantastic car. Uh, and now they've got good drivers. They've got possible championship winners in both their drivers, Verstappen and, and Ricardo. So Absolutely. I think, you know, they were, they have two teams above them. They have a fairly sizable gap between them and, and and the pack underneath them. They sort of have nothing to lose in in roll or less to lose in rolling the dice in terms of an engine manufacturer. And, you know, having it somewhat in house, I think, is probably not a bad idea with all the new regulations too. Uh, before we get too far away from um, uh, Malaysia, I did want to mention uh, thanks to everyone who sent in. The, the fact that F1 made available on their YouTube channel the entire 2001 
Malaysian Grand Prix. Nice. Free for everyone to watch. How about uh, that? I totally sat down and watched that whole oh, thing. Oh, did you really? I haven't watched it yet. Yeah. Uh, it is... Uh, if you don't want to commit to an entire Formula One race on YouTube, mm. um, you can just watch the beginning. It starts... Uh, it, it doesn't start immediately immediately with pandemonium right. but it's uh, the, the first few laps i don't yeah, think i watched definitely. it ever 2001 i wouldn't have been watching f1 again i think that was in my 10-year hiatus um, it's also just a cool time a cool thing to see the the old graphics and, and listen to uh to murray walker who we were talking about uh, and and Martin Brundle. Also do interesting a, do the that call. Uh, just from a rights perspective, I know this is something that the two of us bump heads with, um, or not bump heads with, but we bump into individually quite a lot. Um, mm-hmm. Interesting for them to just get a video of Formula One up on their official channel. Like to me, that suggests that they have some sort of infrastructure that they're working with in terms of getting the rights up onto digital platforms. Like that, to, it's different with stuff they produce today, modern things, but having archival footage which involves old licensing deals and old performances deals and like commentators and advertising uh, rights uh, you know even on the on the video itself like it hope maybe it's wishful thinking but hopefully that's part of you know them continue to open up the the archive of f1 uh, races uh, man if they if they launched a netflix with a bunch of murray walker shit uh, people would gobble that up yeah um, I, I think it's a good sign. It's got two hundred and sixteen thousand views already. Nice. And it's a two and a half hour long video, <laughs> uh, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, more more like this, please. Yes, please. Uh, in other, I guess, driver and team news, um, we've got. Let's see. I'll just I'll just run down this F one twenty eighteen driver lineup here that Sky Sports has. Um, the only ones. Let's see. Everybody's the same for Mercedes, Ferrari, Red Bull, and Force India. Williams is to be confirmed on both drivers. McLaren uh, has confirmed Stahl Van Doren has not yet confirmed Alonso, though that is expected to come soon, especially right. with their announcement that they're going to be using Renault engines and not Honda. Uh, Toro Rosso to be confirmed on both sides. Uh, Haas and Renault have confirmed their drivers. Uh, Haas... No changes, but Renault is going with Nico Hulkenberg and Carlos Sainz, uh, dropping Julian Palmer, and Sauber is to be confirmed. So, um, mm. there's some, still some uh, rumors floating around about Robert Kubica, and they're thinking that maybe right. he has been tipped for Williams, although uh, Sky Sports is, I guess, not really reporting anything, but they're just still just saying, like, he's... He's in the frame, but so is Massa, and so is Paul DeResta. Uh, right. So, no, no real news on, no confirmations anywhere. But um, they are apparently all uh, swirling around that one seat. Right. Um, Wait and see. Shouldn't be too long left now, I imagine. Yes. Uh, more. Uh, it's not really a rumor, I guess, but uh, Reuters is reporting that um, Formula One is working on a microphone that can be attached to a car's exhaust system to make the sport louder and more visceral, in quotes, for television viewers. That is very silly. Yes. F1's that is, uh, that is absurdly silly. commercial managing director Sean Bratches 
uh, said more needed to be done for the worldwide audience. Uh, uh, he says producer Australian producer David Hill, a man with a stellar reputation in sports television and broadcast innovation, was involved with uh, quote a German concern, which is a really businessy way to say people. <laughs> Uh, to develop a ceramic microphone that would actually adhere to the exhaust pipe to get the true amplification of sound for fans, which is a really dumb idea. But I mean, we already have the sound of the cars. I don't know where that comes from. Maybe just an onboard mic on the the camera pod. Um, But I don't know. Having individual audio mics be able to, you know, we could hear gear shifts uh, a little bit easier, maybe. Um yeah, I'm trying to. It's weird. I interviewed a, an audio director for the F1 games for Codemasters a number of years ago, and I asked him about recording F1 cars. Like, how do you record an F1 car without it going nyom past you? Like, how do you get the non nyom version? <laughs> not, I'm a fan of a nyom. Uh-huh. Get me wrong. Yeah. I, I take nyom every week at the end of my podcast. But how do you record that? And he, you know, you like run after uh, an F. You can't run after an F one car with a microphone. So um, he said that they went to uh, I forget who it was. It might have been um, Force in No, might have, I think it might have been Force India. They went to their place and they had a, a engine that they were running to kill. They were it was they were done with it and they were going to basically like run it until it died and see get some data from it. And that's what they recorded. So the the engine was standing still, but it was it was running. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how you know it's incredibly difficult to record that level of audio without it peaking so i think that'll be really interesting to hear it and but then i you know i wonder there's probably loads of things in in sports that we don't know are mic'd up right like i feel like rugby they mic up a lot of them the mall above the with like referee microphones and things like that i think in hockey maybe the goalpost sounds and stuff like that so i wonder you know Maybe there's loads of sports where they mic up stuff artificially like that that we don't know about. Yeah, or not um, not artificially. Well, yes, artificially, right. but to to give emphasize. Yeah, to to give you a better, mm. a fuller picture. Because if it's all, if you know, if it's if it's quote realistic with just having a mic in like one mic in the stands. Yeah, I guess that's more right. realistic. But like, don't you want to hear everything? I I, I don't know. I I would. I'm kind of in favor of this if they can mix it all right and make it sound good. I actually this is going to sound really unpopular, but when we were in Austin, I actually liked that I could talk to you. Yes, when the cars were around, because uh-huh. when I was in Silverstone before the 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 engines had that sort of really big downgrade, it was impossible. Or when I was in Abu Dhabi, it, it was absolutely impossible to talk to anyone at all. Um, so. I, I, I get that it's like that visceral feeling you miss out on, but, you know, 60 laps of that visceral feeling, I kind of want to talk to who's beside me. So, um, yeah, maybe this is an elegant way of, of, of having their cake and eating it, perhaps. Yeah. I don't know. Proof is in the pudding, right? Like, they, they got to test it out and see if it works and see how it sounds. Speaking of 2017 changes, uh, mm. the FIA, this is from F1 Fanatic, has confirmed even tougher grid penalty rules will come into force for the 2018 F1 season. Great. Yes. 200 places on the grid you lose now. <laughs> uh, from next year, the maximum number of engine components each driver may use without penalty will drop from a four to just two for some parts of the Jesus. power unit. Jesus. It's already down to four. Yeah. Wow, okay. So drivers will be limited to two examples of each of their MGUKs, energy stores, and control electronics. 
the F1 2018 calendar features 21 rounds, which means that some of the units will have to be used in as many as 11 events. Uh, of the remaining power unit elements, the internal combustion engine, turbochargers, and MGUHs, drivers will be limited to three examples of each. These will therefore need to cover up to seven races each. Uh, <laughs> they also mentioned that Stoffel Van Dorn has already used as many as ten examples of some power oh, unit Jesus. parts. Oh, jeez. Can't Stoffel himself. Nope. Uh, and continuing on, that uh, revised and expanded rules... For next year, the super license points system uh, has also gotten an overhaul, which we mentioned before, uh, but we've got a little more clarity here. They have lessened the number of points um, for a number of different series. Uh, and if you're unf- unfamiliar with the super license point system, it's basically it rewards drivers in other series points based on their performance. Uh, and then the more points you have... Um, there's a threshold of 40 points basically that says okay now this person is avail- is allowed to race in formula one uh, mm-hmm. and you get more points the closer it is to formula one so like um nascar does not get very many points uh for for a race win but uh, indycar does um, but they've lessened the points for formula e super formula formula v8 3.5 formula 3 and the world endurance championship um so I think what they're trying to do here is to uh, really emphasize that FIA Formula 2, which is, you know, uh, a, a direct has a direct link to Formula 1, is yeah. that's the thing. That's the place you want to be, which makes sense because, you know, if, if you're Liberty and you want to have more people watch not only Formula 1, but your other stuff, too, you want to make it seem like this, these are the up and comers. Right, yeah, it it makes total sense to have like some sort of official feeder league, which they kind of do, but like the closer branding and then this sort of stuff, like definitely helps to to establish that um, for the drivers, but also for the fans, like to get people to watch that that stuff whenever you know th- there's not an F one race on or whatever. Right. Uh, it is interesting though to to see how they. The FIA sees other series as being close to Formula One, so I'm just going to run down here uh, in yeah. in order of, of closeness. Uh, FIA Formula Two, the GP2 series, which is retroactive because they no longer exist. Right. Uh, IndyCar, uh, European Formula Three, Formula E, World Endurance Championship LMP1 class, GP3, Formula V8 3.5. Then Japanese Super Formula, which I would expect Super. to be much higher, but uh, I guess it's not an FIA series, so whatever. Uh, LMP2, uh, World Touring Car Championship, DTM. DTM. Uh, Super GT, NASCAR, Indy Lights, <laughs> and uh, V8 Supercars. And then you get like other uh, national series after that and then down at the bottom is is carding although you know right you do get you do get points for carding so if i think go carding go carding <laughs> mario carding right oh yeah i got all the points for that uh and i think that's all i've got for news danny you got anything else 
No, um, not really. All eyes on on the weekend, and you know, see if Mercedes can. I mean, it's their home Grand Prix as well. It'll, Petronas signs all over the bloody place. No, that's right. Um, in this track in Kuala Lumpur, of course. Uh, so yeah, it'll it'll be uh, interesting. It's all about the, the front now. Like there's some interesting battles happening for a bit of construction uh, um, prizes down down lower. But this is all about Vettel and Hamilton, and the psychology of that is going to be um, massive. So uh, hopefully this race, I feel like certainly less so than than Singapore, is less determined on whoever completes the first lap and first as we found out um, uh, just two weeks ago uh, should be a bit more battling in him uh, in this one so yeah fingers crossed for a good battle up front I think that's kind of what we need after the past couple of races that, that have ultimately been kind of blowouts for whoever was on pole yeah well speaking of the weekend Danny do you want to take it around the world of racing I want to go race around the world camping world truck is at the Las Vegas Motor Speedway, LLC, in Las Vegas, I, Nevada. Ooh, I got Nevada plates on my rental car. Oh, sweet. That's how I know which one is mine, because I <laughs> forgot which color it was when I left it. <laughs> but you memorized the plates? I, I saw Nevada plates. I was like, oh, okay. weird. And thank God I remember that element. <laughs> <laughs> and yes, this key works. Perfect. <laughs> uh, for the, Whose kid is this? <laughs> the Las Vegas 350. Uh, the World Superbike Championship is at uh, Magnicourt. Magnicourt. In Magnicourt, La France. Oh, j'aime le Magnicourt. Used to be an F1 track as well. European Grand Prix, French Grand Prix. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, is it? Is that where the French Grand Prix is next year? Mm, are they going back to Magnicourt? No, it's Paul Paul Rich Paul Richard. Oh boy. I have to look at this. You look now. that up. I'll I'll look that up. You do okay. your thing. Uh, the NHRA is at the Gateway Motorsports Park in Madison, IL, for the AAA Insurance Ew. Midwest Nationals. Ain't nothing iller than, than Illinois. Uh, you're right. Uh, Circus Paul Ricard. Here we go. Um, is where it is uh, going to, which is where I think MotoGP is on too. Uh, Manicore was uh, from 1991 until I think the last one was 2008 mm. or 2007. Yeah. Uh, the FIA World Rallycross Championship is in Estering Rennstrecke in... Is that Germany? Buch- Buchstehude in Germany for the... Ja, das ist Buch- Buchstehude. For the allinkle.com World Rallycross of Germany. I, I'm going to look up what allinkle.com is. I'm never assuming go, it... Never go, never go allinkle. Is some kind of... Splatoon tattoo website. <laughs> tattoo. Yeah. It appears to be, judging by this. Uh, Can I guess? Is it gasoline? Ooh. Or oil? Nope. There's a pretty good uh, royalty free picture of a guy here. And you know what What's that means? He's thinking about stuff and he's smiling because he's got an idea for a domain name. Oh, no. Yes. Oh, no. Yes. It's it's the GoDaddy 500, is it? <laughs> of Germany. Yep. <laughs> uh, the British Touring Car Championship, Danny. Is it Brands Hatch? Oh, Brands Hatch. I love that one. That's a classic race car track, yes. In uh, Longfield, Kent. Longfield. No longer field in all of, of, of the Queen's Britain. <laughs> <laughs> and Danny. 
<laughs> yeah. <clears throat> yes, true. We got NASCAR. What's NASCAR? Well, I'll tell you. Is that one of your Yankee Doodle Dandy races? Sure is. <laughs> where where are you this week? These were in Dover. The Dover International Dover's in Speedway. England. Oh, the beautiful white cliffs of Dover. Why is NASCAR there? <sighs> we're, dri- we're driving o- over them, off them. <laughs> Straight to France. Pretty, pretty spectacular. Uh, anyway, <laughs> we're at the Dover International Speedway in Dover, Delaware for the... Oh, baby. Apache Warrior 400 presented <laughs> oh by Lucas Oil. God. Sorry, the <laughs> what? Yes, the Apache Warrior 400. I, I, Is there a company called Apache Warrior? Ah, uh, you you got me there. Apache Warrior. I have a feeling if I Google that, I'm going to go straight to a Wikipedia page <laughs> about Apache Warriors. That's amazing. Also, Dover, Delaware is not far from where I'm moving. Really? No, it's like down the... Let me check. I'm going to actually check how long it takes to drive there. It's an hour east. Perfect. It's because it's just over the border, the the East Shore, Maryland border and is where Delaware is. So, yeah, Dover's like the biggest town, I think, over there. Fuck, that's cool. I can go to NASCAR next year. Tricky Triangle's up there, too. The what? The Tricky Triangle. Oh, the Tricky Triangle is, too. Mm-hmm. Good. Pocono. And finally, Danny. Formula One. Uh, Formula Uno. Is on NBC Sports Network. Uh, and other sports networks. But the times here I'm listing for our American audience. Thursday. What? What? Thursday. You're drunk. You're drunk. Come back when you're not. <laughs> Uh, at, um, 11 minus three is, it's eight o'clock. Eight. <laughs> Isn't it? Yeah. Yes. I'm looking <laughs> at Eastern time. o'clock? <laughs> no. Uh, yes. Thursday, September 28th at 8 p.m. on the 8 p. or the, uh, NBC Sports Network app that is free absurd. practice one. Free practice two is. Oh, I forgot how fucked up the time is for this one. Is oh, no. Midnight. Oh, no. On NBC Sports Network. <laughs> Free Practice 3 is Saturday at... Uh, 11 p.m.? Wh- no, uh, that's Friday at 11 p.m. Yep. Uh, on NBC Sports Network app. And qualifying is at 2 a.m. on Saturday morning on NBC Sports Network. And finally, the race, technically Sunday, t- midnight. Pacific time yeah. on NBC Sports Saturday Network. night. I forgot, I forgot about the beautiful Saturday night race you get. S-A-T-U-R-D-A-Y race. That's so crazy. Yeah. So it's worse for Japan, isn't it? It's like 10 o'clock on Saturday night, <laughs> I think. Isn't it? Oh, maybe it's in that. No, it's maybe it's our. Oh, God, I forgot. How bizarre. Yeah. Midnight on Saturday. You know, so go out to the club. Do your shoots, you know, f- do your moves, have a couple of scoops, mm-hmm. and then come home and, and watch the Malaysian Grand Prix <laughs> midnight. So silly. Let's what, see a, some, what, a, what a beautiful sport. <laughs> Let's do some driver standings. What do you say? Let's do it. Lewis Hamilton on top with 263. Sebastian Vettel's got 235. I saw somewhere that if, if Vettel, uh, 
Vettel could come in first, and Lewis Hamilton can come in second for every race uh, this the rest of the season, and Vettel would win the tiebreaker. Oh, really? Yeah. So it would be a tiebreaker, yeah. But it would be based on wins, then presumably. I guess, yeah. Uh, Valtteri Bottas in third place with two one two. Danny Rick's got one sixty two. Kimi Raikkonen's got one thirty eight. Verstappen and Perez tied at sixth with sixty eight. Esteban Ocon has fifty six. Carlos Sainz Jr. with forty eight. Hulkenberg's got thirty four. Massa has thirty one. Lance Stroll with twenty eight. Grosjean twenty six. Magnussen eleven. Fernando Alonso ten. Palmer eight. Van Dorn seven. Verline five. Uh, Danny Kofi at four. Danny Kofi at four. Yeah, that's that's really four. Pascal Verline yeah. five. Yeah, I, it'll be interesting to see how this kid does. He could easily get points. You never, well, not easily, but he could beat four points in a race. You know, you never know. Yeah, uh, Marcus Ericsson aren't that bad. Marcus Ericsson. Science got fourth place in uh, Singapore. Right. Marcus Ericsson, yeah. Antonio Giovinazzi, uh, Paul DeResta, and Jesse Button all have zero points. <laughs> and you and me. And yes, we both have zero points. Yeah, we're as good as Jensen Button. Um, Mercedes on top with 475. Ferrari's got 373. Red Bull's got 230. Force India with 124. Williams has 59. Toro Rosso. 52. Renault's got 42. Haas has 37. McLaren's got 17. Sauber's got five puntos. They don't have the constructors (sighs) locked up yet, but I wonder if this weekend if they could. Mm. Uh, Last week basically pushed them back up into we almost have it territory because both Ferraris were out. Um, uh, Last year, they almost, they were trying, they didn't, they got it the race afterwards, I remember, because they were trying to get uh, the Constructors' Championship in their home Grand Prix. It didn't happen, but I mean, you got to say at this stage, Botas has been more combative or, or more uh, better at getting points than than Kimi Raikkonen. It's still crazy to me that Verstappen's equal with Perez, considering Verstappen probably raced six races less than Perez right. <laughs> finished them. Yeah, oh, it's crazy. crazy. Uh, should we take yeah. to the email? Let's do it. We've got uh, see a number of emails here. This is from Ira. Um, who's explaining the heel toe and left foot breaking difference? Oh yes. Um, this is kind of a long email, but it's a really good description. I think uh, I feel. Mm. Hi, Drew and Danny. Greetings from exotic Adelaide, Australia. Wow. Uh, Have just, a tuny on me, mate. <laughs> just thought I'd write in with some clarification regarding heel toe downshifting, as seen in that great Ayrton Senna video you guys mentioned in the Singapore pre-race show. Basically. Mm. Heel toe is a way of ensuring smooth downshifts in a manual transmission car while braking at the same time to minimize braking distances. Suppose you're traveling in a car at a given speed and a given RPM in, say, fourth gear. When you decide to shift down to third, you disengage the clutch by pushing in the clutch pedal, breaking the mechanical linkage between the engine and the transmission. The engine and the transmission are now rotating independently of one another. You then move the shift lever, which changes the gearing in the transmission. This change in gearing will raise the RPM of the transmission. However, yeah. the engine is still spinning at the lower RPM than it was in at fourth gear. Ah. And is only slowing down as you're off the accelerator. 
If you re-engage the clutch at this point, re-establishing that mechanical link between the engine and transmission, the mismatch in speeds between the two will cause undue strain on the transmission components, as well as cause the car to lurch. In a racing situation where you're presumably already on the limit of traction, this lurching can be disastrous, breaking traction and causing the car to slide or spin. In extreme cases, downshifting like this can actually lock the driven wheels, which leads nowhere good. Usually a while. The solution is to rev match by blipping the accelerator before re-engaging the clutch in order to bring the engine revs up to the transmission revs, thereby ensuring a smooth downshift. You can do this without heel towing, but it requires releasing the brake to blip the gas and then moving your right foot back to the brake. Mm. This time off the brakes increases the distance required to slow the car, which is obviously not ideal for racing. Heel towing solves this problem by allowing you to brake and blip the accelerator at the same time. You brake with the toe of your right foot, press in the clutch pedal with your left foot, and make your shift, then use the heel or side of your right foot to blip, all while staying on the brakes. This That's amazing. produces a smooth downshift while also slowing the car as quickly as possible. Uh, that, is, that is brilliant. Yeah. That is such a well... A great explanation the feeling of, of of slowing the car down in between downshifts is like something that anyone who's driven a manual transmission car will 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 know that feel like you never downshift and not decelerate in some amount because of, of what happens when those two things match up again we re-engage with the transmission but the idea of that's incredible of like blipping the the engine just to make sure that that transition is even more smooth that's yeah that's absolutely wonderful there must be some sort of mechanism that can that can like do that electronically as well. Oh, sure. I'm sure. That, that can bring down the engine revs somewhat in line with whatever um, uh, the transmission is going to re-engage with. Uh, he he also says it, it sounds Super pretty emo. cool, and you can hear Senna revving the engine as he downshifts in that video. Oh, that's great. i got to rewatch it now. Uh, one other interesting thing that Senna does in that video is sort of stab at the throttle as he's going through corners rather than accelerate smoothly. I've heard a couple oh, of really? theories about why he'd do this. One is that it's a holdover from his time driving F1 cars with tur- turbocharged engines in the 80s. Stabbing at the throttle would keep the revs up and help eliminate turbo lag as he accelerated right. out of the corner. The other is that applying the throttle in this way would generate small amounts of controlled oversteer and help to rotate the car faster. Wow. Thanks, Ira. That's awesome. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, I'm watching him do it in that video now again. And it's like, oh, yeah, you can totally hear that. That's so good. You should put that back in the notes. Uh, Jordan from Melbourne, what up? Australia. What up, Jordan? We've got a lot of emails from uh, Dan and that's this week. Huh? Oh, I'll say so. Yeah, it must uh, be raining. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to time to put a shrimp on the barbie and, you know, other stereotypes <laughs> of that nature. Dingoes, yeah. Uh, thank you all for your excellent work with Shift F1. Thank you. I listen thank to you. a lot of podcasts, and yours is the one I look forward to the most every week. Ah, thank you, Jordan. Uh, I'm a Canadian that's been living in Australia for the last 17 years. Whoa. And really got into the la- into F1 after attending the 2000 Melbourne Grand Prix, the one where right. Jensen Button made his F1 debut. Oh, wow. Um. Anyway, I love hearing all the Aussie references in your podcast. And yes, I'm a big Ricardo fan. Who isn't? Danny, you're who is, Aussie. Who isn't? <laughs> Danny, your Aussie oh, yeah. accent is coming along nicely. Almost as good as Drew's NASCAR voice. <laughs> 
Uh, he also says he's uh, about one kilometer from the Sandown racetrack in Melbourne. Uh, you can hear the supercars practicing. Uh, Your accent's getting better too. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, this round of supercars is also apparently the retro round where teams adopt retro liveries or Ooh. use famous liveries from the past, and he suggests that uh, that Formula One should do the same. I that is a, absolutely very agree. So. Yeah, that's a that that's a super idea. I'd love to see that, especially like teams who have changed names. You know, over the years, who have, who've, you know, lineages like Jordan and whatnot, which have disappeared and reappeared as modern teams. That'd be really cool. When we went to the Austin Grand Prix, there was that, there was like a straight up classic race, remember? Mm-hmm. One of the, one of the feeder races or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even that was just great, just seeing them all go past. Like, that's what it's all about, especially for people to go there live, right? It's just like, it's all about seeing the cars. Yeah. Um, he says even the yeah, TV even, ads... Even for practice or something. But then I guess it'd be hard to repaint the cars or whatever. Yeah. Called them. Even the TV ads promoting the event are done in the retro 70s and 80s style. And some wow. of the drivers really get into it wearing wigs and costumes for promotional events. <laughs> oh, I'd love that. See, like, Mansell-style mustaches yeah. on everyone. That'd be wonderful. And, yeah. like, like, a commentator with one of those big, <laughs> blocky, over-the-mouth... Uh, um, uh, microphones, you know, ones that run like over almost all the mouth. That's right, awesome. so cool. I'd like to see the the graphics too. Maybe maybe yeah. not direct because actually watching that two thousand one uh, <laughs> four race, by three. <laughs> four, four by three, yeah. Uh, it, it, I really wish there were more graphics because I couldn't really tell what was happening. I had to, yeah. you know, listen to the commentators a lot more. But maybe like inspired by old graphics, you know? Yeah. Exactly, like weird frame rates and stuff. Uh, he also says, uh, "P.S. Danny, here is some more useful Aussie slang for you." Oh yes, please. I, right. I still use tinnies quite a lot in nice. all three of its uses. <laughs> uh, all right, see if you can get these. Okay. Fair dinkum. I've heard fair dinkum before. That's like a is it, is it like just like fair play? Uh, for real or genuine? Oh, it's genuine. It's fair dinkum. Okay, mm. yeah. Legit, kind of. Okay. Chockers? Chockers. Like full? Yes, like very packed. full. Yeah. Ha- yeah. Wow. That must, there must uh, be some crossover. Yeah, there's some crossover. What would we say? Chocked full or something? Or yeah. Oh, sure. Okay, yeah. We say yeah. that in America, I guess. Chock full yeah. or something. Uh, whinge? Complain? Yes. That's an Irish one. <laughs> <laughs> All day long. We love whinging. Ripper? Ripper. That's a ripper. Like fast or something? Or? Uh, great or awesome. Awesome. Okay, yeah, that's a ripper. And the dunny. Oh, I like this one because it sounds like it sounds like how many people mispronounce my name in America. <laughs> the dunny. What's a dunny? A toilet. A to- oh, the t- <laughs> Wait, is that, I feel like that's like the 50th like word for toilet we've come up with <laughs> since starting this podcast from Australia specifically. I mean, if you're going to have slang for things. Yeah. You're going to have a bog. lot of slang. We used to say bog. Bog. That's good. Yeah, going through the bog. All right, moving on. Uh, <laughs> this email from Fernanda and Alec uh, says, Drew and Danny, first off, thank you both for Shift F1. It has kindled in one case and renewed in the other a passion for motorsport in general and F1 in particular. That's awesome. You've brought the two of us closer together as friends, and we thank you for that. You are very thank well. Thank you. Uh, we've been putting together a little spreadsheet Speaking Ooh. my language. Uh, <laughs> charting the race results for the 2017 season. 
The original impetus behind this chart was to see whether the bad luck some drivers seem to be having with their engines, Max and Fernando, I'm looking Mm. at you, uh, was more a function of the driver or the engine. Ultimately, we ended up charting the data for all drivers and all engine manufacturers. We looked at mechanical failures, collisions, and successfully completed races. We're still working on some of the more extensive analysis, like being able to answer that original question, but there are a few findings that we thought were interesting. Number one, while Fernando Alonso, when he does complete a race, tends to place about 1.5 spots ahead of Stoffel Van Dorn, his mechanical failure rate is about 2.5 times that of his teammate. Wow. Meaning that Alonso has only finished four races and has had seven mechanical failures. Van Doren has completed nine races and has had only three mechanical failures. Mm. Number two. So far, Mercedes engines fail about 10.71% of the time. And Ferrari engines fail about 11.9% of the time. Renault, on the other hand, fails about 23.81% of the time. Jeez. And Honda engines fail about 42.86% yeah. of the time. It, f- it feels like a real towing car sandwich <laughs> with the Honda stuff. Yeah. Uh, failures in this case being either a did not start or did not finish for mechanical reasons rather than a collision. Right. Number three, the average final position for a Mercedes-powered car that finishes a race is 682 The average position for a Ferrari-powered car that finishes a race is 9.21. For a Renault-powered car, the average finishing finishing position is 8.37. Surprisingly, this means that when a Renault-powered car finishes a race, they generally finish ahead of their Ferrari-powered counterparts. Honda, surprising no one, brings up the rear at 11.07 as their Mm. average average finishing position. Or Again, DNF. this is only for cars that actually finish races. DNFs and DNSs are not counted. Right. And this is only this season, right? Right. A small sample uh, pool as well. But. And number four, for Ferrari and Mercedes, there is a huge gap between the engine manufacturer's teams, which obviously do rather well, and the other teams using the engine uh, the manufacturer's engines. Yes. However, for Renault-powered teams, both Red Bull and Toro Rosso typically do better than their manufacturer team. Uh, in any case, we'd love your thoughts and observations. We're planning on updating the chart through the rest of the season and running some more complex statistical analyses in the future. That's uh, great. But I've been really surprised with the results so far. Please, please feel free to share the chart in the show notes if you think others might be interested. I certainly will. Oh, that's wonderful. Uh, yeah, the more data you get, the better, right? Bigger sample pool, the better. So, like, keep keep recording everything, even if it's stuff you don't think is going to be very rele- relevant, because if you do this for, like, two or three years, then you're going to have, like, a crazy pool of data to be able to, like, pull stuff from. Um, yeah, interesting. I, I, I like all the stuff about how, how well the engines have done um, uh, compared to the sort of the, the, the main team, as it were. Um, unsurprising to hear some of that stuff. 42%, though. That really puts it in perspective just how bad those cars are. That, like, you know, for, it's not exactly 50-50, but it's closer than you want to be to having a real time cost to see if your uh, your car is going gonna, is, is gonna to make it. Also interesting to hear the, the differences between himself and Van Doren. I wonder if there is something about the way in which Alonso pushes the car perhaps to get that extra 1.5 places um, that contributes to uh, the unraveling of that engine or maybe it's just you know not a, not a causation yeah I wouldn't be surprised mm. uh, alright this next one comes in from Lewis Hamilton. hi Drew Danny and sometimes Dave uh, we're just like hey to... what's up how you doing I'm right here <laughs> can't wait to talk about Formula 1 cars oh wow that's is Dave here? <laughs> I'm 
I'm fucking godlike. <laughs> let's so play. Let's play dive kick. So bad. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I know. We're, we're just Where's like O'Dwyer? This Where's O'Dwyer? Hey. <laughs> fucking lucky charm picking Darby O'Gill, motherfucker. What? <laughs> Dave, Dave would not know those Irish <laughs> deep cuts. Go back to Waterford, Jim. <laughs> yeah, Colchi. <laughs> Sorry, man. What? Okay. Uh, would just like to share with you my experience of bringing my girlfriend into the world of speedy race cars. Ooh. During the first pit stop of the race we watched together, she was very confused. Quote, <laughs> why did that car stop like it was going to get some new tires and then just drive away? Wow. Uh, oh my God, that's amazing. And then he says he did get some tires, honey. No, he didn't. He only stopped for a couple of seconds. Cue a slow-mo replay of a, of a slick stop. Oh, wow. Uh, fast forward five amazing years later, and we're driving down a country road in England, and I start breaking late for Benz. Look, honey, I'm Fernando Alonso. And then I start cornering more aggressively. Now I'm Max Verstappen. She pats me on the knee and says, well, you better stop before you're past her Maldonado. <laughs> That's Hope awesome. that tickled you as it did me. If you read this uh, out, could you tell my beautiful girlfriend, Jennifer, that she means the world to me as we often listen together? That's Smiley right. That is the best part about doing this podcast is hearing about people who've rekindled their love or, or, or like, you know, we had a one or two where, you know, I think it was a gentleman and hung out with his dad a lot more because of it. And we have a lot of couples who watch as well. I mean, even, or listen, we, we, when we did the meetup in Austin, I think that was when I realized, oh my God, yeah, there's a lot of people who like gotten back into it. And I mean, like I got back into it because my friend Joe, Joe Barron got me back in. Um, and you know, you got into it because I was kind of talking about it and you'd someone to watch it with, you know, it's like, it's one of those sports, man. You just need someone to, to be there watching it with you or, or talk, talking about it after the race around the water cooler or whatever, or just listen on podcasts and it makes, makes the world a difference. Yeah. And I wonder if, if all sports are like that and, nice. and, and formula one is, the one that we're only really seeing this aspect of that with because it is such a not like because a, other a sports niche are so thing. commonplace or something yeah like football's everywhere right you talk to everyone right. about football even if you don't watch football somebody knows who won the super bowl you know what i mean like right whereas f1 you really gotta you're either in or you're out it's a real binary sport <laughs> right you either know what the hell you're talking about or 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 you don't, you know. And it's, I wonder if it feels that way in like England. No, like it's more common, definitely. Like in the, and I lived in a metropolitan part of England, right, for like a good almost five years. So mm -hmm. like it it was more common, but it was the same sort of you either watched F one or you didn't. You either knew who Nigel Mansell was or you didn't. And people would know like Lewis Hamilton because he was sort of famous that way, and like Senna. It's like wrestling, known. yeah. Like you know, it just it, but it never had that mainstreamy. Maybe it did a bit more because they when they especially when they showed on the BBC back in the day. But I, even then, I don't really think like my dad never watched it and it was on television. My sister did weirdly enough. You know, she as a young uh, person who didn't really watch any sports at all for whatever reason, she was super into F one. Um, Yes, why not? Maybe, maybe more commonplace than you know than 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 over here. But similarly, you know, 
people wear their love of F1 on their you know breast uh, with uh, with pride in a way that I feel like you don't get a lot with other sports or so mm. so commonplace with other sports. Uh, finally, David, yet another Aussie in Melbourne. Melbourne. Uh, says, hey guys, love the podcast and just thought I'd send you a quick email about something funny I saw recently. Uh, while watching European Formula 3, which is a pretty good racing series, by the way, mm. uh, at the Red Bull ring on TV last weekend, I noticed one of the drivers had the surname of Habsburg. I thought to myself, funny if he turned out to be one of those Habsburgs. Well, turns out he is. He is Ferdinand... Zvonimir von Habsburg, heir to the royal house of Habsburg-Lorraine, and if Austria was still a monarchy, next in line to be the Archduke of Austria. This is like some, like, 1600s shit we're talking about, right? Yeah. And if you're <laughs> curious... Because my brain was, like, racking, like, well, who are we... T- was there a racer? <laughs> Habsburg... <laughs> Uh, wow. If you're curious how good a driver he is, well, he's all right. He's currently seventh in the championship, but has won a race and got two podiums. Maybe we'll see him in F1 one day. One wow, day. but unfortunately, his family is no longer one of the most influential royal houses of Europe. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's crazy. Yeah. There you go. Never know who you're going to run across, I guess. Yeah, careful. Uh, that is it for emails. Uh, again, you can hit us up at f1.cool slash emails, which I'm not sure I mentioned earlier, but there you go. That's, that's where you email. Uh, we are also on Twitter. Follow at Shift F1 Podcast for show updates and any fun F1 stuff we run across. I am at Drew Scanlon. I'm at Danny Dwyer. Uh, shout outs this week to Nick for sending us along uh, this cool uh, video here from, uh, I think it's from Red Bull, of Carlos Sainz Jr. and Carlos Sainz Sr. racing each other on oh, dirt buggies. That's awesome. Yeah, they're cool little cars, too. So I will I will link that in, in the show notes. Um, shout out also to Stan, uh, who somehow found on Instagram uh, the fact that Daniel Ricardo is a founder of a brewery in France. Sure, called I mean, the Blue guy's Coast in a band, Brewing. Isn't he? isn't he in a metal band as well? No, he sang with a metal band. Right. So, Blue Coast Brewing, uh, which I actually, I looked up. Okay. And it's really, you should, it's really strange. Bluecoastbrewing.com. You go there, it's got a nice picture of a beach and then some beer, and then you scroll down and it says Our Story, and it's got a big old picture of Daniel Ricardo. It does. Read that paragraph. Okay. When a group of friends get together and remake the world. What? A good beverage naturally comes into the mix. All are involved in sports in some manner. Jensen Button, oh my god, what? Jensen Button, Daniel Ricardo, and Karen, is it Minier Coulthard? Oh god, Karen Coulthard. Okay, Minier Coulthard. Know a thing or two about the better things in life and quality of living. Traveling the world for their careers and for pleasures. Ooh. These guys know all about the good times and good people and how to combine the two separate sentence uh, see our ambassadors below and here is even more people including Eugene Laverty who is the MotoGP racer um, Andreas Mickelson who's in rally uh, Tiffany Cromwell who is a pro cyclist uh, and some other individuals as well this is really weird. Doesn't this and, uh, seem uh, like Karen Coulthard or Minier is, is David Coulthard's wife? So this is this is 
Yeah, what? this has got to be like a front company or something, right? Or it's, like it only exists as a brand. I, it I just go seems to their Instagram, super strange. Dude. Their Instagram is 27 followers. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, sorry, it doesn't. It only has 1,700, which is still not that many. Sorry. It has 20, they're following 27. I take it back. Okay. But yeah, they've got pictures of... Uh, of uh, looks like a race in Monaco. It, I really, really hate the design of the cans. It's like, oh, I kind of like them. Oh, they're so like upper middle class. Like they're, <laughs> they're, they're like it's actually. I take it back. They're so upper class. They they what look does like that mean? somebody's trying to make a posh. You can make a bottle look posh. Like that's the whole joke about Stella Artois in America is that it's like sold as this like fancy beer, even though it's like. Euro swill, but like <laughs> these cans, you can't make a can look fancy. Like it's just not happening. But they're trying. I'm I guess I just like the matte finish. I, I do like the matte finish. It reminds me a bit like a car as well. Yeah, this this is weird. They got lots of pictures I, of. Yep. Yeah. I don't think it's a real company. You don't I think, think so? they're sell. I think they're running drugs. <laughs> Why do you need this many? like sports people to sell a and like oh god they've named them the blonde the lager the IPA and the session ale like they don't even have names it's can you really buy this I don't know where do you buy this should we email them and ask them for some I mean yes will a can of beer hashtag from France and still be drinkable Oh, they got an email. Do it. If you've ever drunk Blue yeah. Coast, please let us know. Yeah. They've got more uh, likes on our Facebook page than the Cloth Map one. How many likes do they have? Should we answer that? I don't uh, have... I, I have like zero likes on my one because it doesn't exist. So <laughs> <laughs> Untapped.com as a page for Blue Coast Brewing Company. So it's real. Tasty and expensive sad face, <laughs> says JC, who added at Stars and Bars, which is, I love this app, it's amazing, which is in Monaco. <laughs> it's an American <laughs> bar in Monaco. Of course it is, it's called Stars and Bars. Yeah, a lot of people, some people have drunk it. We've got four stars, four stars... Yeah, tasty and expensive. So it's expensive beer. And finally, <laughs> thanks to Nick for sending us this 11-second uh, YouTube clip shot off a screen where Toto Wolf uh, is in a uh, an interview with David Coulthard after mm. the Singapore GP, and he hits him in the nuts with his microphone. Intentionally? Yes. <laughs> David Coulthard, I imagine, has quite large testicles, so <laughs> I'm sure it wasn't particularly difficult to hit, to, to hit them. Amazing. Uh, I have something for your notes as well. Um, I came across it a couple of days ago. I haven't actually watched it yet, uh, but it's a documentary called Williams, which uh, I, I'm not sure who made it, whether Williams made it or whether the... Um, uh, I'm sure the YouTube channel that it's on did not make it, but uh, it, it's been up there for a while, so I don't think it's... I don't think it's illegal or anything. Maybe they just made a free one like a lot of people do. Um, but, uh, yeah, apparently it's pretty good. Who does it's that? Like a two, a two Who makes a free documentary? documentary and just puts it on YouTube? 
I feel like a lot of um, in the same way that like skateboard companies did a lot of that promo stuff that they just gave away their videos that like I was on Netflix recently and you know they have like Truth in 24 and stuff like that but there are other ones like that that are done at, like they're essentially like a form of marketing or whatnot like Red Bull I feel like do they've sold ones as well like the Art of Flight but they've had free ones too um, but Danny it's not on your own Danny. YouTube channel so I don't Danny. know maybe it's illegal Danny I was making a joke Oh, really? Oh, because I do. Because I put free documentaries on the internet. I totally forgot about that. I don't think about them as the same quality of things like these, but thank you so much for <laughs> saying that. No, they're <laughs> <My> better. <laughs> Witcher series going up next week. Six videos. Boom. There it is. Yeah. Uh, all right. Yes, I will link that as well. Hooray. Uh, as always, you can find our show notes on f1.cool, along with how to subscribe via RSS, iTunes, Google Play, and wherever podcasts are sold. Until next time, I am Drew Scanlon. I'm Daniel Dwyer. If you'd like to support us, we are both on Patreon. I am at patreon.com slash clothmap. Danny at patreon.com slash Danny O'Dwyer. Anything else, yeah. Danny? No, that's pretty much it. Uh, this will be my final podcast from the West, best coast, uh, West Coast, um, but I will be sounding almost the exact same from... Uh, I'm actually staying in uh, uh, Virginia for a couple of weeks uh, with my in-laws, so um, I'll be there for a while, and then I'll be in uh, in O'Dwyer Manor in, in beautiful uh, Maryland after that, so... Uh, keep the bay warm. Keep the bay warm for me. Keep it, keep it, keep it good. Will do. Have a good race weekend, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) We will see you all next week. Mm